Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night to everyone that's listening. Uh, this is Terry Johnson for the Benchwarmer po- QB podcast. Uh, back with a new episode. And for today's episode, I've typically been doing three good, three bad, something interesting. But I, I mean, I mainly want to promote, I would say, I mean, less emphasis on bad performances. <laughs> and I think it'd be a better setup and maybe more clever too. If the segment was three good things, two bad, and one interesting thing, so a three, two, one, like who doesn't like that? Like descending order uh, or decreasing amount. Uh, so yeah, so I'm going to try that out today and I'll see how it goes. Uh, again, thank you for listening. I greatly appreciate it. It's a, uh, it's been a journey for me and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, let's get, let's get rolling. The first, uh, quarterback performance I want to mention for the, uh, three good quarterback performances segment is, uh, someone who, uh, his NFL journey's been pretty interesting. He was, uh, I think he was a Tennessee volunteer, uh, so he played at the uh, University of Tennessee, uh, and he was, uh, I think he was drafted in the 2017 draft, and everyone viewed him as the next Dak Prescott because he was picked also in the fourth round, the same exact pick, and I was like, oh, this guy, he's going to be the new Dak Prescott because Dak Prescott just had a phenomenal rookie year. Uh but, I mean, he was like a backup and mainly like like a backup backup practice squad guy for the Steelers for a few years. And he bounced around. Like, he was on the Browns. Then he was on the Titans last year. He started two games. And now he's the starting quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. And I can't say I expected anything from him. I mean, it's, it's uh, Joshua Dobbs. Like, there's... I mean, someone who's just been bouncing around practice squad and being a backup, never really given a chance, moving around teams a lot. You don't typically expect anything from them at all. Maybe, I mean, I would expect not functional quarterback play. Uh, but uh, but by study, he's a uh, aerospace engineer, I believe. <laughs> so is very intelligent, obviously, and you would think, okay, with higher IQ, higher intelligence levels, they could be able to uh, understand the defense, process defenses faster, and be very football smart. And that's not always the case, because there's plenty of smart uh, players, especially quarterbacks who have failed in the league. Uh, but, I mean, Josh Jobs is easily probably one of the smartest, maybe up with Ryan Fitzpatrick, who... I mean, always famously been was mentioned. Oh, he went to Harvard. Uh, but Josh Dobbs, he's the not. He was traded to be. He was traded from. Uh, I think he was on the Browns in the preseason. They traded to the Cardinals to be their starting quarterback instead of uh, uh, Colt McCoy. And Dobbs, he's been <laughs> he's been doing really well. And this. Past weekend, uh, he led the Arizona Cardinals to a twenty-eight to sixteen win over the over them Cowboys. He Josh Dobbs, he was seventeen for twenty-one, one hundred and eighty-nine yards and one touchdown. But he also had fifty-five yard, yards rushing on the ground, and that's one thing that really stood out to me just watching him was he's very athletic. I mean, in the first quarter, he had a forty-four yard run, which is pretty awesome. Uh, and he moves very well. He's a, he doesn't seem like the biggest guy in the world at all, but he moves well. He's pretty athletic. And, uh, 
it was very noticeable how comfortable he is making decisions in the pocket. And mind you, he's been in the league since about 2017. And this is his only fifth career start. And, I mean, yeah, you get, you get all the practice in the world, all the coaching in the world, but nothing beats in-game experience. And he showed that, even last year when he made a few starts, yeah, he looks pretty comfortable. He's definitely a... I mean, he's a high-end backup at least. And uh, he had some very impressive uh, impressive stretches of play during this game. He... Uh, uh, right before halftime, he helped move the Cardinals down the field into field goal range, which is something Dak Prescott really couldn't do. Uh, he had a at one point hit a he was uh, it was third and eight, and he was standing in the end in the end zone of his own end zone. So that means if you're standing in your own end zone and you get tackled, that's a safety, and then that's two points for the other team, and then then they get the ball too. Uh, so and but he made a good he he converted on thirty eight third and third and eight out of his own end zone which is very impressive. Uh, I also do want to mention he was making some great plays. Uh, the receivers were like wide open on a lot of them. I think a lot of people could have done something similar. So he had to leave it up to the scheme a bit maybe. Uh, but and I guess finally just to seal off the game he had a touchdown. Uh, where he threw off his back foot, and I mean, he just made accurate throws. He made accurate plays. He's been doing really well for someone that, like, who knew a practice squad player could actually play? <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it's going to give plenty more people chances who've just been hanging around, uh, being a backup, a practice squad guy. Of okay, maybe they actually can develop and become a pretty good backup quarterback or a bridge uh, bridge quarterback. And by bridge starting quarterback, I mean someone who can be like the starting quarterback for a year and be functional while the team figures out, okay, who do we want to be our next quarterback, whether it be from a trade or from a draft. And like Josh Jobs, he's not get, being asked to do a ton. I think he's only averaging like 186 yards uh, passing per, uh, per game. I think he's... Uh, his passer rating somewhere in the 90s. Uh, so he's, hey, he's not asked to do a ton, but he's doing the most, he's doing plenty with what he's asked to be told to do. He's definitely functioning and he's doing well. It'll just be a matter of if he can sustain his play. Because what separates many starting quarterbacks from backups is that even very talented backups is that starting quarterbacks can, can for the most part, be very consistent with their play. They're always good to pretty good, or really every, like, from week to week to week. Or backups, it's often the more they play, there's more tape on them, but the, the more they play, the worse they get because their weaknesses get exposed, hence why they're backups. Uh, but, I mean, he's such a good story, uh, Josh Dobbs. So he, made, he went viral the other day on uh, social media because he went to the Cardinal store to buy his own jersey, and there wasn't an option for him to buy his own jersey <laughs> at the at the Cardinals team store. Uh, but then later it was found like uh, he uh, the Cardinals made him a jersey and started selling it. So that's <laughs> well good for the Cardinals for making it, fixing it quickly. A little embarrassing though, but hey, they fixed it. 
But anyways, Josh Dobbs. It'll be very interesting to see how the Cardinals do this year because Cardinals were easily picked to be the worst team in the league. Uh, and they're not that. I mean, they've been competitive. They've been leading in the fourth quarter in the past uh, in all of their games this season, past three games. Uh, and they're going to be feisty, which is fun. It's good. And uh, see how how they do the rest of the year. And uh, Josh Jobs is that success story. The next quarterback I want to talk about, he, uh, he was the number two overall pick in this year's draft out of Ohio State. And for the most part, I mean, he was excellent in Ohio State, but he looked just like a pocket passer, nothing too dynamic or anything. And then in the college playoff, uh, I believe it was the semifinal game against Georgia, he really displayed his athleticism. He was escaping pressure. He was making plays. He was a playmaker. And uh, in a game that Ohio State should have won, uh, they didn't. They missed the field goal. So, I mean, Georgia won, uh, but Ohio State was right there. It was their equal you could say. And CJ Stroud, uh, Ohio State quarterbacks have the reputation of just being a just it's just being a dumpster fire in the NFL. Like it just doesn't work from uh Terrell Pryor to Troy Smith to uh I mean Cardale Jones a few years ago, JT Barrett's done nothing. I don't know if he's even in the league anymore. Uh and now most notably uh, Justin Fields who's <laughs> struggling, to say the least, at Ohio State, and not Ohio State, for the Bears. And C.J. Stroud, just a natural, like, okay, he, like all these other Ohio State quarterbacks, yeah, he's not them, but it's a trend. And so that's a concern because the offensive talent on Ohio State teams, like the, especially with wide receiver, it's like, damn, they just, like, consistent number ones, I think Garrett Wilson, Olave, um, I'm like was it who is it Marvin Harrison's son? Uh, it's Ohio State too, and it's just a wide receiver university. And uh, like when they go to the NFL, I mean, oftentimes like when you go from Ohio State quarterback into NFL, sometimes on a lot of your teams are not nearly as don't have the weapons or the wide receiver depth at uh, offensive skill talent that like you had at Ohio State. And the Texans certainly don't have much talent, or at least on paper, at the beginning of the year, it didn't seem like. But C.J. Stroud, his first game against the Baltimore Ravens, he was respectable. It was nothing special, but he was decent. And then the second game, it was a, it was a pretty significant loss. Uh, not, not too significant, but against the Colts, I believe. But C.J. Stroud, in, in garbage time, which I explained before, like just... When defenses get easy on coverage, so they don't allow the big play, but they allow allow plenty of intermediate plays. C.J. Stroud was taking advantage of that and threw for nearly like 400 yards. I think it was like 384 or something. Uh, but, hey, you have to give him credit. He's a rookie, and he's making his plays, and he played clean football. And this was his, I would say, his breakout game. He uh, was 20 for 30 for 280 yards and two touchdowns in a 37-17, to 17, so a 20-point win. Against Jacksonville, uh, that was a shocking game. I mean, yeah, you could say it's going to be close because, I mean, divisional game, so the opponents know each other, teams know each other. So, yeah, it could be close. But 20-point win over, like, Jacksonville, who is, like, a dark horse Super Bowl contender. Uh, not, not the Bears Super Bowl contenders. Oh, my God. 
Anyone who thought Justin Fields could be an MVP quarterback should. I, I just can't. I mean, retire? I don't know. Bad take. Very, very bad takes. Okay. Not to take some strays at Justin Fields. CJ Stroud, he was lights. He was very good in this game. He uh, it was clear he has a willingness to throw the ball downfield into like tight coverage. Uh, he had a uh, he had a, like a big uh, throw that was nearly a touchdown pass in the first quarter where he threw the ball up and it dropped perfectly between to his wide receiver. And it was, there was three defenders around. Like, they weren't, it wasn't like a jump ball necessarily, but it was a perfectly placed ball. So it was actually, it was, I would say, more skill than luck. Um, and he was making all the throws. He was like end zone, deep, sidelines, middle. And the thing I want to know about sideline throws is that they are often difficult in the way, like, throwing, that's when, like, commentators or announcers are saying he's throwing outside the numbers. So on the football field, right, it's uh, like they're throwing a basically from the middle of the field or so. Like that's where the ball snaps near the middle of the field. And on both sides of the field, there's uh, like the hash marks. So say like the 20, the 30, the 40, the 50 yard lines. And then outside of that is the like the out of bounds line. But when they say throw outside the numbers, that means they're throwing towards the sidelines near where they have the, uh, like, yard markets are, yard marks for, like, 20, 30, 40. Uh, and you have to throw with some power on those throws because you're throwing it sideways. You're not throwing it, say, if you're throwing in the middle of the field, you're just throwing it forward or a little bit sideways, mostly forward. But when you throw it to the sidelines, it's a, <laughs> I mean, it's a horizontal throw almost, like, across the field. And... Uh, if the ball's not coming on time or on on target or with some power, it's easy for a defender to anticipate it, start running, catch the ball, and go the other way for a pick six. Like it's very easy. You see that pretty commonly in the NFL. It's a big mistake. It's a risky throw in a way. So they need to be good throws, and they're trusting him throwing it to the sidelines, which shows that they're, comfor- like they're comfortable with him. And speaking of being comfortable... He was comfortable against the blitz. Like he had a his the game basically game ceiling touchdown in the fourth quarter came on a like a pretty big blitz where he knew exactly where to go with the ball. He went to the sideline, like deep down the sideline. And I mean the guy was wide open, but you have to give him credit for being able to know where the identify the blitz, know where it's coming from, and be able to not to deliver the pass without like say flinching under pressure, which that's a big concern for a lot of Ohio State quarterbacks. And I can't, I can't believe it. I mean, I know my first uh, three good, three bad, and one interesting, something interesting episode, I said that Anthony Richardson was playing the best out of the rookie quarterbacks. But Anthony Richardson hasn't been playing. <laughs> he hasn't been playing. Uh, hopefully he's back this week. Uh, but, I mean, while he hasn't been playing, C.J. Stroud's been balling, like balling out. Uh, well, Bryce Young's just been hurt, too. Uh, Bryce Young's been doing well. Uh, <clears throat> CJ Stroud, he's doing excellent. It's I'm surprised, genuinely. I thought there was a fair amount of risk. He could have been a bust, especially for a dysfunctional organization like the Houston Texans. But given his flowers, he's doing really well and certainly making the most of his opportunity.
The last quarterback I want to talk now out of the three good quarterback performances is a quarterback that really needed to win for his coach. Otherwise, his coach would be uh, adios, like bye-bye, as in out on the street, as in unemployed, as in fired. And that is Justin Herbert for the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, his head coach, uh, Brandon Staley, has been under lots of scrutiny and criticism for the team that has so much talent on both sides of the ball. And the team just kept losing close games and they started off 0-2. And then they were going to, they went to the Minnesota to play the one of those Vikings who are another team in a similar position, but they don't want to fire their coach yet. I mean, I don't, I don't say yet, not at all, but there's no pressure for the head coach to get fired. Comes to, not to Kevin Stefanski, I'm sorry. That's the, that is the Browns coach. The Vikings coach has no pressure to be fired. Uh, but Brandon Staley had to win that game. Otherwise, there's a good chance he would have been fired. Sam Justin Herbert performs. He's awesome. He just he was 40 for 47, 405 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, and a 28 to 24 win over Minnesota Vikings. Just watching him, the, the ball just explodes explodes out of his hand. It's weird, like, when you see some quarterbacks say, like, Upper Rock Purdy, he throws the ball, the ball kind of just, it gets there, it flies, nothing special. And then Justin Herbert, he, like, does his throwing motion, and it's like, phew! <laughs> it's like, jeez, like, he's throwing, like, a missile out there. I mean, it makes it look so easy, because he's probably not throwing it nearly as hard as he can. And the ball is still like just uncorked out of his out of his hand. It's unbelievable. So he's able to make all. I mean, he's making deep throws down the field that he's just making it look easy. Uh, and he was just lights out in this game. Like this during this season so far, his three games. His first game against the Dolphins, he was pretty good, but I don't think he was averaging many yards per attempt. So he's throwing the ball short a lot. But he still was a decent game. And then the game against the Titans, he played better. But they lost in overtime. And this game, he improved again. Uh, so it's probably he's getting more familiar with the new offense coordinator, uh, Kellen Moore's system, by the week. And just watching him throw the ball, especially deep. I mean, he could throw it deep. He could throw it sidearm. Like, he made a sidearm uh, touchdown pass. And he just... Like a flick of his wrist and it's just flying. It's like, oh my god, that could have gone like 20 yards. I mean, 25 yards just on a flick. Like dropping the elbow down. Like just not a natural arm position. Which for him, I don't I don't really know he could do that. Uh, because so he looks so mechanical with his arm, with his uh, throwing motion. Very repeatable in a good way. I didn't think he could do that, but he did. Uh it is worth noting he had one touchdown pass at near the end of the game that he was really lucky he didn't get intercepted. Like the was deep down to the left sideline, I believe, near it, and the defender uh, put his arms up to catch it. And if he catch to catch it, if he caught it, it would have been like right on his hands and perfect catch. But he didn't catch it. He tipped it up to the wide receiver behind him, and it was a touchdown. Though no, it's. Uh, I mean, yeah, that probably should have been an interception, but it was a touchdown, so it's a touchdown, right? Uh, anyways, Justin Herbert, hey, his talent is unbelievable. It's, I mean, I, I can't imagine Brandon Staley being the 
Chargers coach for long. Maybe they should have just hired. They should have fired Brand Staley after the year. What I guess. Okay. Side note. Tangent time. The one thing I don't understand is if a coach is on the hot seat at the end of the year, why not just fire him? Because most of the times you're going to fire him. Like Brandon Staley's going to be cooked. He's done. Uh, who else would it be? Like Robert Sala. Ugh, I mean, you can't blame him for Aaron Rodgers getting hurt, but you can blame him for not having a backup plan or blame him and the GM for... like Why do they have... Zach Wilson's still on the team. And then the guy, the backup to Zach Wilson, or now backup to Zach Wilson, is a guy who in his Division One career, he has one touchdown pass to 13 interceptions. It's been set on TV, to, like Nick Wright pointed it out. Look it up. That guy is horrible. And he's the backup to backup. And he's probably there, it seems like, because he was friends with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so what are they doing there? So Robert Saul, I believe, is on the hot seat. Um, who else? Like probably Kevin Stefanski for the Browns. The Browns are doing kind of well now, so maybe there's an exception to the point. Uh, but it's oftentimes it feels like if a head coach is in the hot seat going into a year, like he's just going to get fired. Like Ron Rivera is going to get fired, I'm sure, for Washington. Yeah, well, they, they're doing well. I'm not. I mean, based on early year projections, the team does bad. He's going to get fired. I don't know. I mean, the command Washington Ron Rivera's team is two and one right now. Anyways, side point. I think Brandon Staley is going to go at some point, uh, whether it be in season or abs or later on. And Kellen Moore should just be given a chance to be an offensive coordinate, be the head coach, because like head coaches. Like quarterbacks thrive with offensive mind head coaches for the most part. Um, so I, if Justin Herbert's doing this well already, I can't imagine how well he'll do. Uh, I mean, down the road with more experience in Kellen Moore's system that helped make Dak Prescott excellent or almost in the elite category, which Dak Prescott isn't. Justin Herbert, there's been a lot of strays. So I'm just <laughs> catching people with right now. But Justin Herbert, he's been doing excellent. He's getting better. He saved his coach. He saved his team. And they're back on track. Well, now it's time for the uh, not-so-good performances. Uh, now, I'm, now I'm just going to try doing two. So it's a 3-2-1. So three good, two bad, something interesting. Um, I, think, I think it's a little bit more catchy. So I'm going to try it. Uh this uh, quarterback I'm going to talk about, he was on Sunday Night Football this past week against the Steelers, and he lost. Uh, and I'm talking about uh, the Raiders quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Himmy Guapo from the, uh, well, that Himmy Guapo came from George Kittle and the, uh, I think it was the uh, football game in Mexico City. <laughs> George Kittle named Jimmy Garoppolo that for a nickname. Anyways, Jimmy Garoppolo, he came from the 49ers where he achieved great success, but it was always uh, people believed his success was mainly attributed to Kyle Shanahan's system. Like, Jimmy's, I think, a decent quarterback, but Shanahan allowed him, helped him win a bunch of games. So, Jimmy Garoppolo is now on the Raiders with Josh McDaniels, and Josh McDaniels was the offensive coordinator for the. Uh, 
Patriots when Jimmy Garoppolo was drafted in the second round of the 2014 draft. So there's familiarity there. And Jimmy Garoppolo, he hasn't been having a great season. And this game was not great. Eh, it was okay. I'll talk more about it. He was 20 for 44, 324 yards, two touchdowns, and three interceptions in a 23 to 18 loss to the Steelers. Uh, initially, when these plays are scripted, like I've mentioned a few times before, like the first 10 to 15 plays offensively are scripted. And Jimmy seemed to be playing well. He had some good plays early, uh, especially on a uh, fourth and inches call. He threw a deep touchdown pass to Devontae Adams. Uh, which is, I mean, that, that's, I like the aggressive play call, and he threw it deep, which he doesn't really do a ton. But it, it was a good play. Um, and then as the game rolled on, it was clear Jimmy just kept throwing it to, to Devontae Adams, and Devontae Adams is one of the superstar wide receivers in the league, so he could certainly attribute, catch all the balls. Uh, but it was so much Adams. Uh, and then... The interceptions, interceptions and the bad things start coming. Uh, he had a bad throw over the middle, that which is into an interception. And right before halftime, like the the knock on Jimmy Garoppolo is that he always seems to get hurt. And he seemed that his legs got twisted and he got up slow near halftime. But he turned out to be okay. Uh, and he threw another interception where he was like throwing, he was trying to signal the uh, wide receiver to the sideline. And he threw it up and it kind of floated for too long. And the ball got intercepted. Uh, I the the problem with Jimmy Garoppolo is I mean, the advantage of Jimmy Garoppolo is he's used to getting the ball very quick. He's best when he's quick and very decisive uh, reads, and he's able to just make it quickly because he has a very quick release. He doesn't have a great arm, but he like is able to get the ball out very quickly, and. Uh, for some reason, now with the Raiders, it's not as clear to him, or either the people aren't open, or it's not clear because he seems just to be like taking a few extra beats than he did with the 49ers. Because as I remember him as a 49ers fan, he would get the ball quick, no hesitation. Where now it looks like he's like hesitating a bit more, and that's when he just starts getting into trouble. Uh, and because uh, he has decent, he has okay mobility. It's like. You would prefer it to be better, but he's certainly not like a Tom Brady or Peyton Manning statue or Eli Manning statue where he can't run. Like He could run a little bit, but it would be great if he doesn't. Uh, he needs to stay on the script. Uh, as the game wore on and the Steelers were well ahead, he started making some plays and like kind of, it was kind of garbage time. He started making plays to the sideline over the middle, and that's when he's at his best. He's just making quick throws. Like He's best at quick, short to intermediate throws. Uh, but then, like, the, uh, Josh McDaniels wanted to kick it on, like, a fourth and four within the red zone. He, uh, Josh McDaniels decided to kick on a fourth down play uh, instead of trying to go for the possible conversion lead to a touchdown. Uh, but it was questionable because they had 15 points at the time. Steelers had 23 points. And they kick a field goal to make it 18 points in hopes that they would get the ball back, which they did. But they lost all the timeouts and everything. Whereas if they gone gone for it on fourth and four and say they eventually get a touchdown, then they could go for a two-point conversion, and then it would be 23-23. And now it's very likely overtime would happen. And you're at home, so that's always a good thing. Um, but So they got the ball back eventually, even though they kicked the field goal. Steelers 
like moved the ball a tiny bit, and then Raiders got the ball back, and Jimmy Garoppolo threw interception immediately. Uh, initially, I thought I mean, with all the interceptions, I thought he was playing horrible. Uh, but he played a little bit better than I thought. It was still not it was not a good game, but it was better than I thought. And I think it was the best he could have, Jimmy Garoppolo could do uh, in that situation because he's used to great coaching, great offensive schemes and everything, and great weapons, offensive weapons to help him. But outside of Devontae Adams, like Josh Jacobs supposed to be great, but I don't know what he's doing recently. And uh, I don't think he's playing. He's not having a good season so far, even though he had the rushing title last year. And uh, I don't know what the other uh, wide receivers like Hunter, Win- Ren- Hunter Renfro are doing currently. But Jimmy is used to playing in a scheme that helps, that makes it very easy, and he's very good at that. He could win a lot of games. And with Josh McDaniels, it's not working as well so far. And he he's doing his best, but he just appears a bit too overwhelmed. Now I'll move to the second quarterback. This quarterback he used to play for the Dolphins, and uh, his first round pick for the Dolphins, and then he moved to the Titans and became. He started having great statistical seasons on the back of Derrick Henry, and I'm talking about Ryan Tannehill. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is. He seems his success with the Titans years ago, like when they went to the AFC Championship game. When they be beating or competing with the Ravens all the time in the playoffs, his success was correlated with Derrick Henry's dominance. And Derrick Henry is, hasn't been as dominant recently, and Ryan Tannehill's older. And the team just doesn't have great skill position anymore at wide receivers and tight ends. Like, yeah, they signed De, uh, De, uh, DeAndre Hopkins uh, in this offseason, but he's. He's not what he was. I mean, certainly, I think he's he's still pretty good, but he's older now. And the, the Titans have a fascination of bringing all these old, like, former superstar wide receivers. I think they, they had Julio Jones not long ago. I think they had Andre Johnson at some point. They just, now they have, uh, now they have DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> Hopkins. And it just never works out for them because they're old. And I think DeAndre Hopkins is still okay, though. I think he's still pretty good. Anyways, like the team in recent years, the past two drafts, they drafted a quarterback to try to replace Tannehill. Like last year, it was uh, Malik Willis, who, when he played, he was like, oh, if you think Zach Wilson's bad, oh, <laughs> Malik Willis, oh, <laughs> like maybe he's better now. But uh, now they drafted uh, Will Levis, and I think in the top of the second round, and he, Will Levis is supposed to be a uh, top pick in uh, this in this year's draft, but it didn't work out for him. He's a second-round pick, and I think he's behind Malik Willis in the depth chart. I don't know entirely, but anyways, the succession plan for uh, the quarterback in the Titans isn't going too well right now. But Tannehill has not been playing well this year. Uh, so in this game against the Browns, they lost 27-3, to and Tannehill was 13 for 25, 104 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. So it was very meh to meh, not very good. Like, meh. Um, like early in the game, he had the ball stripped from his hand uh, while throwing. Uh, he did have some good throws to Hopkins and uh, more down the sidelines. Uh, he missed a deep ball that could have been a game changer for him. And 
for him and the team in the third quarter. Um, like the, it, I don't want to beat up too much on uh, Tannehill, but no, mainly because the Cleveland defense is phenomenal. It's like Miles Garrett and s- some other uh, player who's just <laughs> just wreaking havoc on the offensive lines, and the times of offensive line I'm just completely overwhelmed. Uh, and Tannehill, he used to be pretty good, but. And maybe it's just declining talent. I mean, he's like 34, 35 now. He's older. He was drafted in 2012, so it's, I mean, perfectly acceptable. It's a long time ago. And uh, he's not good enough now to overcome team struggles. Uh, like Henry went, Derek Henry went 11 carries for 20 yards. Not great. And Tannehill went all the pressures on when the whole offense is on his shoulders. He just can't do it. Um, it'll be interesting to see if the Titans remain competitive this year. Because Mike Vrabel teams always tend to be competitive. Like they had a primetime game against the Chiefs last year with Malik Willis playing. And Malik Willis was not doing anything, and they still went to like it was a close game. It was a they might have gone overtime. It was a close game. And I guess my point is, I'd be interested if they're not competitive anymore, or even if they're still competitive, if they try to trot out Malik Willis or Will Levis just to see what they got. I mean, there's a good chance that if Ramden Tannehill's struggling, they're going to bomb. <laughs> but, I mean, you have to get the young guys out there to try, get some reps, see if they have experience, because they have all, obviously have some talent. And where Ryan Tannehill has declining talent, um... So they, they just got to see what, where they're at for the future quarterback uh, situation of the Tennessee Titans. And maybe Tannehill could turn around this year and help them be successful. But maybe he cannot. Now it's time for the something interesting. And I've noticed that the something interesting is sometimes, like last time I talked about, uh, week one I talked about Anthony Richardson is the best rookie quarterback of the week one performances. Now it seems like C.J. Stroud's the best. Or Bryce Young is still struggling when he's not hurt. Not great for the Panthers, right? Uh, like, okay, side tangent. It's fascinating. Someone brought this up on sports uh, talk uh, on sports TV. Uh, like, it was Fox Sports. I think it was Fox Sports somewhere. And so the Panthers went from having Cam Newton, who was a like, Greek god of an a- as an athlete, like 6'5", 250 at least. Could run, just massive, just phenomenal rocket arm and everything. And then they drafted Bryce Young, who's also a number one like Cam Newton. But Bryce Young, he's tiny. He's so small. He's one that he's I, he I, he's, has to be the smallest quarterback drafted in recent memory. I mean, maybe he's slightly bigger than Doug Flutie. I don't know, but Doug Flutie could run around a bit. Uh, or Bryce Young isn't as great as that. And even Kyler Murray is. They're like similar height. Uh, Bryce Young and Kyler Murray are similar height, but Kyler Murray's a bigger guy. He's like 20 more pounds and can run. Like, if he's in trouble, he just run. Uh, anyways, so first week I talked about Anthony Richardson as something interesting. The second week I talked about Trevor Lawrence. Maybe he's overhyped. And I think that point is aging pretty well so far because they did, the Jacksonville did lose to the Texans. And now I want to talk about Joe Burrow, the Joe Burrow situation. So they did win. They did beat the Rams on uh, Monday Night Football. 
But it, they're playing with fire. The Bengals are playing with fire. So Joe Burrow, in the offseason, during training camp, he had a calf injury, a calf strain. And those, which I keep hearing from the sports people, those linger. Uh, it can linger a long time. And he's still trying to play through it. And he's not doing well with it at all. He's he's His uh, current quarterback rating, passer rating, is 66.2. And remember, that scale is from 0 to 158.3. And the average for the league in a given year is about it's somewhere in the mid nineties. So sixty six point two. He's one. He is statistically the worst quarterback he's been playing. Well, he's the second worst quarterback that's been playing. The only person worse than him is Zach Wilson, uh, which is not great. Uh, it, it's not good. And the fear is so he keeps wanting to play, keeps it getting out there, but you're not going to heal if you're still playing. Uh, like maybe there's a belief like, okay, you're not going to injure it anymore uh, if you keep playing, which I'm sure the doctors are more informed, co doctors and coaches and everything. So they're not making reckless decisions. But to me in the audience, it, it seems like it is because we saw this offseason, Aaron Rodgers had a calf injury and he's like still played a little bit through it. And then immediately in his uh, – debut with the Jets, he after running out the American flag on 9-11 in New York, it's such a spectacular event and spectacle, he and Rodgers tore his Achilles immediately. It was only like two minutes into the game. or Yeah, it, it was very, very quickly into the game. And like Burrow, okay, maybe he's not at risk of tearing his Achilles. Maybe the calf injury Aaron Rodgers have and his Achilles are two separate events. And maybe it is for Burrow too, but I don't know. It's all leg muscles. So if one muscle is compromised, others others typically uh, take the burden, and then they could be overloaded, and then you could t like injure more uh, ligaments or more muscles in your leg. But it's not even so much say Burrow has a risk of tearing his Achilles. Uh, Nick Wright keeps talking about this. He, well, Nick Wright is one of my favorite uh, TV personalities, along with Colin Coward. And, okay, Burrow may not tear his Achilles with his calf strain, but he's not nearly as mobile, so he may, and this calf injury might end up having him, I'd say, like, dislocate his shoulder or break his shoulder or, shoulder or his collarbone in his throwing arm because he is not fast enough, he's not mobile enough right now to outrun someone like Aaron Donald. And... That that's an issue because he's used to being Joe Burrow. I mean, he's not like super athletic, but it's the Tony Romo athleticism where he could just move around the pocket, he could, like do some uh, spins, spin out, and just he's very instinctive in the pocket. But if his mobility isn't there, he can't make the moves he's used to making. Then he just gets caught from behind or just gets tackled where he's not used to it, and he just he just has more injury, more risk of getting injured if he's not mobile enough or especially as he's used to so i think the cincinnati Bengals are really playing with fire here like joe burrow like think thankfully he did sign his extension or yeah, the record-breaking deal i think it was what five years 275 million dollars uh i forget how much guarantees but a good obviously a good chunk of it's guaranteed guaranteed 
so he's protected, so he could definitely just keep pushing himself out there. Like, I can play, I can play, I'm the team leader. Because certainly the, the Bengals will not have success without Joe Burrow. Um, but, I mean, it wouldn't it be better if he just rests now and in, say, four weeks when he's healthy, you don't have to worry about it. And he's normal Joe Burrow being awesome instead of the compromised Joe Burrow, who's a bad quarterback statistically right now. Uh I don't know. I mean, obviously teams know more than teams know more than everyone else, right? I mean, they have a better an- analysis and understanding of the player and the injury. But I mean, come on, he's one of the worst quarterbacks right now. Like, just sit him. Just have the backup go out there. Maybe the backup could win a game. So now they're at the Jake Browning. And fun fact: so I'm from originally from Sacramento, California, and Jake Browning was the quarterback at Folsom High School. Uh, in the area of Sacramento when I was in high school and he's in the pros. So like great for him. Cause Jake Browning, he also went to Washington and helped lead them to the college playoffs, which is phenomenal. Uh, there's a side note, but maybe the Bengals just don't trust their backups and rather risk having Joe Burrow out there, which is a very, very risky move. And that is the end of the episode. So I decided to do three good quarterbacks, two bad quarterbacks, and one in something interesting. Um, so we'll see if I might change it a bit again as time goes on. Still playing around with it, just having fun here. I mean, we're all we're just having fun. I hope you're having fun listening to me talk about football. Uh, so again, thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, please tell your friends about me, uh, about this podcast primarily, or you can tell them about me as a person, but about this podcast. <laughs> and I appreciate it. I'm going to try new things. I'm always open to suggestions. I already had one suggestion where maybe I could talk about like basics of football to someone, to people who don't understand it. Uh, guess who my friends have reached out to. Like, yeah, I mean, you sound great. You're doing well. But I don't know what you're talking about as far as I don't follow football. So maybe I maybe I can do a uh, just an introductory high-level overview of the National Football League. That's a pretty good idea. Anyways, thanks so much for listening. Have a great morning, afternoon, evening, night, wherever you are in your day when you're listening. Thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it. And I'll release another podcast soon.